0: Okay, we're back and we are talking about prayer. Uh, We've had two great discussions so far, looking at how we can approach God with confidence. We're approaching a throne of grace and he is our heavenly father and we can ask him for anything. And we we talked about how we can be persistent in prayer and that we should view him with faith uh, for who he is. Uh, He is not our earthly father. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now we're gonna get into a little bit more of the other side of that equation with our fathers and how we can view God. So, Ryan, you want to read the scripture again? Sure.
2: So we're in Matthew 7, verses 7 to 12. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets.
0: Thank you. All right. Jesus' questions in verses 9 through 11, are completely rhetorical and and perhaps better translated, you wouldn't give a stone, would you? Or you wouldn't give a snake, would you? The Greek's a little funny here with how the words for stone and snake are followed by an extra, will he give him? The point he's making, which is completely unflattering, is that we're evil and we'd never do something like that. How much more should we trust God? Now, I know not everyone has a great experience with their earthly father. We we talked uh, last time even how e- even the greatest father is going to imprint on us in a way that's deficient or mm-hmm. can color the way that we view God in some way that's unhelpful. But can we think for a moment of the positive? Because I think that's what Jesus is getting at here, too. How are dads completely amazing toward their children? And- what should that picture do for us when we think of God?
1: Yeah. One of the things that I think about with this is that um, for you know, there's this instinct that fathers have to you know, provide for their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that providing, you know, when you're a kid, like all you can do is ask. And sometimes you are asking for things that are really good for you. And your father has an instinct to respond to that request. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you are asking for something that's like really bad for you, mm-hmm. and most of the time, your father can be like, "That's a bad idea." <laughs> <laughs> um, and and so there's a there's a, a, a love there's communication coming from the, the child to the father of like these are my needs, these are my wants, and the father is able to actually. And and has a like a, a motivation to filter those and understand this is this is what's actually going to be good for you. I'm going to give you that mm-hmm. thing, um, which I think that's really helpful when I'm thinking about and about our previous conversations around. I don't know what to ask for. Like mm-hmm. sometimes I'm like, is this going to actually be good? But mm-hmm. there can be like a confidence that like I'm going. I can just ask and. God's gonna filter mm. the requests as appropriate because he wa- he wants to give me mean, good things. Yeah.
0: So God is a provider, but the ultimate provider. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I think that you know when I when I read this passage, I one of the thoughts that came to my head the, the instantaneously when I was reading it, studying it for this talk is that you know you wouldn't give your kid a stone, but your kid wouldn't necessarily know the difference because again we don't know what to ask for Mm. and sometimes even you have to go through life and you have to (laughs) crack your teeth on a couple of stones that you thought were bread and Mm -hmm. you know get your knuckles snake bitten before you realize that something is not a good gift yeah um and so that was the first thing that came to my head is the you know and it 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 enlightens what you were saying, Tim, about the father's instinct to provide. Yeah. Um, and I thought of my father, again, want to rehabilitate him a little bit from <laughs> some of the stuff I shared in our last conversation. There was a moment in, in our uh, family life a uh, couple years before he died where I think my mother was contemplating leaving him. We, we would go down to, we would leave Boston and go to Arkansas every summer to visit my grandmother. We usually stay for a couple of weeks. One year we went and we stayed the whole summer. We left right after school ended and we stayed until right before school started. So we stayed for the whole summer. And when we came back, um, I remember getting out of the taxi and running up the stairs. I was really happy to be in my house, mainly just to be back with my toys in my bed (laughs) but I was really happy to be back at my house and I rang the doorbell and my father looked out the window like I don't think he was expecting us I don't think he knew that we were coming back and just the most brilliant smile it's the only time I ever remember seeing my father smiling and he was looking directly at me, and he was smiling at me, and he was glad to see me. It was, it was amazing. And it reminded me of um, this scripture in Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 31, 20. This is the Lord speaking, and he's speaking about Israel. He's speaking about his children, his people, Ephraim, he calls him here. And in verse 20, it says, "'Is not Ephraim my dear son?' The child in whom I delight, Hmm. though I often speak against him, I still remember him. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. I have great compassion for him, declares the Lord. Hmm. And I think that's the instinct that's at the heart of uh, of every father for his child. He wants that, Um, you know. And and finding that balance is hard for a human father. And yeah. doing that damage is almost inevitable for any human father, no matter how much they try. But God is the perfect father. Yeah. And God is the one who every time I knock on that door, every time I ring that doorbell and he opens that curtain, that smile greets me. Yeah. No matter, no matter how sinful, wretched, wrong I am in that moment, he's just glad to see me.
0: Glad to see you. I love that. It reminds me a little of my dad when I was a kid, and he would play games with us, mm-hmm. and he could be so silly and really creative with this, like, games, and it would just be exhilarating and mm-hmm. fun and uh, just, you know, having fun with my dad. Yeah. Yeah.
2: What what I find interesting about this, uh, I brought up earlier in one of our earlier episodes about Jesus as a teacher. Mm-hmm. I think... One of the things that I think distinguishes God the Father from just simply a good teacher is the fact that a father is bound to life to their son. Mm-hmm. And it's and the long game. Mm-hmm. A teacher you might have for you know a year, maybe a couple years, mm-hmm. maybe you have a coach for a team that's teaching you to become a better player or whatever it is, to become a mature adult. Uh, that's the father's role is mm-hmm. to train your children in becoming what your view of a good adult is, right? Essentially. But it's the long game. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things i that's really comforting about God is he's in it for the long game. He's not going to just give up on us. Yeah. Right. You know, persistence in prayer is a lifelong thing. It's not just a until you get to a certain point and then it just stops and you're done mm-hmm. and you can mm-hmm. do whatever you want now. It's a lifelong Relationship and uh, I think the the long game, the fact that we're tied to him mm. because we've decided to be disciples for our lives is one of the roles of how I view him as a father. Mm-hmm. I guess
1: we're
0: we're of him. We are we've yeah. taken his name. We yeah. yeah we're we belong to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that. You, you know uh, the other thing I was thinking about with this is that uh, protection that mm-hmm. that dad's protect have you ever seen those dad save videos yes. like they're they're amazing like you see some dad like swinging a kid or he's, another kids in his arm and suddenly the kid falls out of something he just grabs him with by one hand with <laughs> right, their leg yeah. is before they fall <laughs> on their head and it's like or like i saw one where you see this uh, these kids going down in a sled And you're, and then you hear some screaming and they're like, no. And this other kid's just like has their back or something to the sled that's careening toward them. They can't get it. And then this dad comes out of nowhere. He's running lightning fast (laughs) and just picks up the kid right before it Uh gets hit. Um, Yeah. So there's this superhuman kind of protection instinct that just kind of kicks in. And like, you're again, you're committed to this, this, this child and you, you're, you know, you protect them. Um, I think there's an aspect to this, though. And Van, I was thinking also when you were talking about kids not knowing what a stone is, I was also thinking kids might actually prefer the stone to bread or, you know, get, you know, I won't name names, but there were um, people that were taking stones and throwing them off of overpasses at cars Mm -hmm. when I was a kid. Um, I may have want to move on from that (laughs) (laughs) right away um you know kids do stupid things and and dads don't give them the the snake or stone because they they want to protect them too Mm -hmm. uh even if they don't realize that this is bad for them they they want to protect and i think in this society um the other thing i was thinking about is that the father you got to remember the society the father would have been uh the parents, really. The, the most important command in the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments for one another was to honor your father and mother. Mm-hmm. The honoring your parents was one of the highest things. and so the father would have been deeply revered. So think about that for a second when you think of uh, God saying you, even though you're evil, it reminds me a little bit about how he says, if you don't love me more than your than your parents, uh, you, you know, you, it's like hate for them basically. That's how much more you need to love me. It reminded me a little of that. It's that our most invaluable relationship, uh, God, is so much more valuable mm. than than that relationship that it's like hate, and uh, He's so much more important and valuable than, than our one of our most important relationships, that that earthly relationship would feel like evil uh, to his goodness. Um, that's mm-hmm. how much above everything God is. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about that goodness, though. Mm-hmm. Jesus seems to claim that God only gives good gifts. Do we really believe it? I think we'd all point to an unanswered prayer. And when I say unanswered, I think what we really mean here is that God said no, don't we? <laughs> how, how have you had your prayers go seemingly unanswered, only to prove later that God saw a picture you couldn't see?
3: Well, you know, I think that God does sometimes say no. And I think that he also sometimes says not yet. Mm-hmm. And um, I can think of many, many, many times in my life where I prayed for something very specifically and it didn't happen. And I was so I was so thoroughly disappointed. And um I think that I, I think back to uh three years ago. I was praying because at the time my wife and daughter were living in Louisiana. I was living up here in Massachusetts with my son. And there were several things in my life that I thought, God, I don't like to, I don't want to be a kid here and just ask for what I want, but I'm going to, and here's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) I said, I want my wife and my daughter back with me. I want them, I want to be in the same city, in the same house with my wife and my daughter. I want that. I want to be financially stable enough to be able to make that happen. I, I want that. So yes, I want more money. <laughs> I, want, uh, I want an adequate place for us to live. I, the place, the condo that we had up in Boston was too small. It was in a not so great neighborhood. I want a better place. I want a bigger place. I want all this stuff. I don't know if it's your will to give it to me, but I want it. I just, Daddy, I want it, you know. And I, ha- I have a big thing with people saying "Daddy" in public prayer, <laughs> but in my mind, that's how I felt like I was, I was being a kid. And, um, and the the last thing I said is, and I want this one. I thought was impossible. I want my wife to come back to church. She had told me on not a few occasions. I'm never going back to that church," she said that phrase to me dozens of times, and uh, so. But I I said that to God, and I prayed it, and I prayed it probably consistently for about a week, and then I stopped praying it because I just rational. I my rationale was, I'm being I'm being childish. I'm gonna stop praying. Three years later. All those things have come to pass. And as I look back on it, I see that God was, was working out the timing. I think, maybe it was Tim, you were talking about Daniel no, and yeah. how yeah. <laughs> Daniel prayed. And what was it, 20, 21 years later? 20 the angel- days there, but <laughs> Twitter, yeah. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> so I'm pretty fast for him. <laughs> yeah.
3: Some long time later, the angels showed up and said, yep, yeah, we heard it that day. But stuff was going on. And I think that maybe if God had given me all those things right away, it was maybe that was a a stone or a snake for me. Maybe it was a Mm. snare Mm. to give me more money right then. Yeah. Maybe it was a snare to bring Shemitra and Abby back right then. Um, That you know, sometimes the answer is no, but sometimes it's not yet. That God understands. God understands time in a way that we can't even fathom because he's outside of it. Yeah and so he sees mm-hmm. he sees the story from beginning to end all the time. And so he knows exactly when a thing should happen. Something that we cannot ever know.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I I've prayed for things like, uh, you know, I need a new job, God, this one uh is too much. And he did, you know, he doesn't give it to me. Mm-hmm. And and in retrospect, I mean, eventually, he, yes, that that did happen. But I was still at the other job for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And it was actually really good because I learned things in that time that I needed to learn. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that I needed to learn them. But God did. Because God sees all of time and knows exactly what I need in time. Mm. There's, there's something about this that reminds me of Job, too. And Mm -hmm. how Satan goes to Job, uh, goes to God and says, oh, Job, uh, you know, he just likes the stuff you give him, not uh, he doesn't really love you for you. And I think there's um, there's something about that. And we've talked about a little how we pray and what we pray for and how the spirit is involved and helps us to desire the things that God desires and helps us be conformed more into Christ. I think there's there's a, a bit of this that I'm reminded of here. Do we hold on to, to God and do we still trust Him even when things don't work out the way that we we think that they should? Hmm. Do we still trust God and see that maybe maybe that thing that that I'm praying for is a stone or a snake? Um, James one says, "Don't don't be deceived." My dear brothers and sisters, every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. And I think he reminds us not be deceived because that is a, a very easy way to be deceived. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. It's really easy to deceive yourself. I found that. Mm-hmm. Um, what, I, what I find um, kind of hard about unanswered prayers is that again my my view of good is messed up it's things that are more subtle though it's like healing or Mm -hmm. you know struggle because i'm like desperately want comfort Mm -hmm. (laughs) like people desperately want something comfortable and Mm. peaceful and good and those are good things themselves but the timing is really critical Mm -hmm. it's it's super easy to be very impatient Yes. Is what I've found. It's Mm -hmm. just like, okay, I forgot about like all that time. But then I look back at, you know, after years and you're like, wait a second, I I got all these things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like when I, when I first was learning about God and the Bible and Christianity and Jesus for the first time, like really actually trying to learn about it. I was, I wanted to find a church community that wanted the same things that I wanted at that state Mm -hmm. of -hmm. my life. And... I was like, all right, I'll let you, I'll let you see what you think you want. <laughs> and so I got involved in a different church. Everybody thought exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Every there was no difference. And it was if you towed the line to anything that was a little bit out of line from what they thought exactly was right, mm-hmm. it was like, whoa, you're not on our team anymore.
3: Hmm.
2: And I was like, oh, <laughs> I see. Like, you know, humility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, like, you don't know anything.
3: You just yeah. started.
2: You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And I had to learn that. And then I, I think for me now, like, I feel very comfortable and I feel very, you know, blessed to be a part of this community because I've seen what it would be like without it. Hmm. But I would, I have a feeling that I would doubt things more hmm. if I didn't get to experience that. And that was something that it's like, what you, the first church you give me is like, just not the right fit. What do you mean? I thought mm-hmm. you wanted me in. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And no, he had a plan that it, was better isn't that, than my plan. Isn't
0: that weird? Like, I think all of us tend to be people who love to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, We've self-selected, I think, a little bit for that. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> there are things that we can only learn through experience. Right. And sometimes we need those experiences to, to form our lives in a way, in the way we think and approach things. It reminds me again of Job because... I was just thinking like, you know, God never tells Job any of the behind the scenes stuff, right? None of the drama in heaven with Satan saying, oh, he doesn't love you for you. He just loves the things that you... He doesn't say any of that. And and sometimes I wonder like, we ask things of God where we don't even know what we're asking. Like we, we don't understand. And what does, what does God do to Job? When he, he, first of all, he appears in a whirlwind, which <laughs> that, that would be pretty intimidating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what does he do? He basically says, who is this? Who, uh, obscures my, my plans with words without knowledge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what <Yeah>. an intro. <laughs> he basically says, listen, Job, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You're right. not me. Yeah. And you know what that does for Job? I mean, God never tells him any of the why, but that helps him. Mm-hmm. It reorients him to trust God again and, and say, okay, yeah, you're God. I'm not. And no plan of yours can be thwarted. Mm-hmm. And I and I trust you, regardless of this doesn't mm-hmm. look like how I thought it should be. And this doesn't seem fair. And but you're God.
3: It's it's like when the kid when the kids get to the stage where every question is why it's time to go to bed. Why? Well, because you need your sleep. Why? Well, because if you don't sleep, you won't grow, you'll be unhealthy. Why? And eventually the answer is what, to why is because I said so. Yeah. (laughs) So just do it. And you know, we, uh, we understand that. And I even understand that on an intellectual level with God, that sometimes the answer to my prayer is going to be no, but again, this is another reason to persevere in prayer, to keep praying it until it becomes clear to you, not just that the answer is no, but why the answer is no. Mm. And sometimes that can happen in a day, but sometimes it takes years, sometimes it takes decades. And you know, we know intellectually, my wife has a cousin who when she was in third grade, came home from school and said to her mother, I don't ever want to go back to school again. And her mother said, okay. And she really? never did. What? She never went back to school. In the third. And we hear a story like that and we say, that is ridiculous. That is actually abusive. Uh-huh. <laughs> and yet, sometimes even today, even after 40 years of walking with God, he doesn't answer my prayer in a day. And I'm like that. I'm like, <laughs> You don't care about me Mm. (laughs) you don't you don't want me to do well you don't want me to be happy you don't want you you're just you're out to get me like i thought my own physical father was Mm. because again it's so easy to default when you're not in a in a persevering prayer relationship with god when you're not working through all those no's so that you can hear the no And so that you can understand the no. Mm.
0: Yeah. Well, we've looked at God as our Father, who is above all fathers. Fathers are amazing. And God is so much more amazing that even the best father seems utterly evil, which is sad for our fathers. (laughs) But it means really great things because God is so good and and we can trust him. I think that's the other thing that we get out of this is that you know, he sees the big picture and knows the snow, the stones and snakes, the things that we're fumbling around in the darkness that are that are like, oh, that's what I want. No, that's not what you want. And um, I think we can see also that because he sees the big picture, it, short time or long, he's gonna give us what we need mm-hmm. and we can trust him in that. All right, we've got more. We'll come back another time. Thank you.